A young girl feels her soul awakened to the call of emotions she cannot name. This is the twilight world where half-forgotten memories of childhood lead into a fantastic realm. Was it a wolf or a man you killed? When I killed it, it was a wolf. It turned into a man. Here, dreams become reality and our darkest fantasies come true. Worst kind of wolves are hairy on the inside and when they bite you, they drag you with them to hell. checked out a technically a canon film uh from canon releasing mm-hmm. corporation uh a little film called the company of wolves directed by neil jordan who you might recognize as the eventual director of interview with a vampire mm-hmm. uh, as well as the writer angela carter who wrote the original story that this movie is based on mm-hmm this also came out in 1985 and feels very much like a canon movie from 1985, which is 84, why, 85, yeah. Which is why it feels very bizarre that it's not technically one, but you know what? We already covered technical canon movies, so we're going to do it again this time. When we don't want to watch actual canon or can't find them, we watch technically canons. Well, why not? It's from the same basic time period, same basic people. Same basic pair, yes. Yeah, Canon Releasing Corporation, mm-hmm. which is just their group that would grab random films and distribute them in the u.s Mm -hmm. kind of like they did with alien contamination which we had also covered earlier this season we did so randy how what would you describe what this movie is about ah it is a chinese box story in which we have a frame of a little girl sleeping in her manor house dreaming about being a fairy tale little red riding hood I apologize. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood, as she tells various stories about werewolves until she she does the actual Little Red Riding Hood story. Eventually gets to it, yes. And then it's a metaphor for sexuality and growing up. I guess puberty, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Well, it's kind of difficult to say because this movie is kind of bizarre. It's, uh, as when we say it's like a canon movie, we mean it's sort of like those weird horror-esque movies they did at a certain point sort of like how um the one um invaders from mars remember had the whole kid the whole kid thing which was the subtext of the movie in this one it's more like it's like you said before uh puberty thing and the wolves kind of represent adulthood kind of but they Maybe, also re- yeah they also represent i guess temptation as well um it's really hard because because of what happens. In the this movie. is honestly one of the one of the few movies where we've sat down and we we didn't know what we were getting into when we went into no, it, no. and then went, oh, this is one of those very symbolic films. Mm. Not a not a new wave uh, King Lear that we refused to watch. No, that one was too much for us. This isn't a love stream. This isn't a Cassavetti's film. No, That's it's all, not that kind of a movie. It's, it, but it is a film that is heavily up to interpretation. Um, mm. Yeah. And at first blush, you're not quite sure 
who the intended audience for this film is because it's an R-rated film mm-hmm. and Canon sold it as a horror film, but it's not really a horror film. There's horrific elements to There's it. There's a lot of effects that were very prominent in the 80s of like gore and transformation scenes. But it's more of a Grimm's fairy tale sort of thing where the darkness was text mm-hmm. and not just underneath everything. Yeah, it's like it's very much a sort of fairy tale. I guess a modern interpretation of Little Red Riding Hood at a certain point, I guess, and what led up to it. Although, like I said, I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to get across at certain points. Uh, let's put it this way. This film literally has one character who has a name. Mm-hmm. Rosalie, the main Rosaline, girl. and everybody else is either named... I'll actually read it straight from the um, IMDb because this is the actual cast listing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we said we have Rosaline, uh, who's actually played by a very young Sarah Patterson. Angela Lansbury plays Granny. Yeah. So there's one that doesn't have a name. Okay. David Warner, mm-hmm. very famous David Warner, plays Father. Her father, yeah. You have Grand Crowden playing Old Priest or Father. Old priest. Yeah. Brian Glover playing Amorous Boy's father. Yeah. Young Bride. Young Groom. Yep. Mother. Yep. Huntsman. Mm-hmm. Alice. Oh, wait, sorry. Alice has a name. But that's the sister mm-hmm. who in reality is kind of an ass, but who also dies in her dream. Mm-hmm. So we have two she people. She dies left. of the wolves. She dies of the wolves. So she entered adulthood and, and, and became Shrieking She Banshee of some sort. Mm-hmm. Amorous's boy, mother. Amorous boy. Yeah. Witchy There's... woman, wealthy groom, wolf girl, devil boy, dowager, ancient. There's literally a character called Ancient. She also mentioned that in the fairy tale, the grandmother and then eventually her tell fairy tales about the wolves in And it's a repeating tale. it's a repeating uh mm-hmm. motif throughout the film to tell the stories of the fairy tale uh, tell the fairy tales about the wolves. Yes. And about marriage and about the wedding bed. Yeah. Um, like I said, you, you're not quite sure who this film is supposed to be aimed at, at throughout, throughout. Not really. It's, like I said, it's kind of confusing. Um, I think the most straightforward part of the movie is probably the ending, which was oh, and making in, it very... And in blatant. one of the strangest fairy tales, mm-hmm. in an uncredited cameo, Terrence Stamp uh, gets driven in in a nice Rolls Royce. Oh, right. I'm playing sure himself, that. the devil... Where he gives the bastard son of a priest mm-hmm. a potion to grow hair, but then the boy's eaten by plants? I think it's supposed to be he's taken over by his carnal desires, which are earthly, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, that's it. But like I said, Terrence Stamp literally shows up as Terrence Stamp as and the devil. in that exact scene when he's being taken over, it goes back to the present where she sees it through her mirror, which is, again... Yes. <laughs> kind of... Carnal but, desires, and then she's being harassed by the amorous boy, this uh, red-headed little goblin of a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just like a typical adolescent who doesn't know what he's doing. He, he keeps yelling, to, telling her to kiss his rooster. <laughs> That's Randy's interpretation. Let's go for a walk and you can kiss me cork. <laughs> rooster it is. There is no line like that in the movie, but like I said, the, the movie is kind of bizarre in that aspect in that there's no real i guess plot to the film it's more like they're in a village and there's wolves who are threatening to come in at some points and are not in others i don't even know if it's really clear 
where the wolves come from. There's a... They come from the forest. Don't go off the path. Don't eat the apples. Yes, but they also had that Jane, part where... Don't eat the apples. They also had the part where the wolf came from the world below, too. So it's like, I don't know which one's... But why she which. did, we I do not know, JD. But why she did, I do not know. No, it's, it's a bit confusing at times, especially considering... The fairy tale aspect is supposed to be in this one true of all. I actually, them, so. I, I, honestly, I kind of like the nebulous nature of some of the stories that they're telling because it's like, mm -hmm. are they true or are they, or are they just story? But we are led to believe that they are true within the universe, based mm -hmm. on the events that happens within the universe in this dream, which apparently melds with reality because the actual wolves do exist in the real world. Because Maybe because that's window. that's kind of another. Um, layer to it because it's she's still in a dream at the end, and I is she maybe because the final scene of the movie they had to reach they had to redo because at the time special effects weren't good enough for it for them to do what they had wanted to, mm -hmm. which was she was to dive into her floorboards mm -hmm. as if it was a water, as if it was the mirror from Prince of Darkness, uh, um, that type of a visual. Well, also, yeah. they didn't have the budget. Also, this movie is incredibly low budget. They could only afford 12 trees. Apparently, even though they're in a forest for most of it. From IMDb like, trivia, JD. They could only afford 12 trees. I don't know why, because there's a lot more than 12 trees in the movie. Even in one shot, there's more than 12 trees. But I will they say... They missed the trees for the forest, JD. Yeah. So, like, that's the general gist of the movie. So, I guess we should just move on into the other aspect of it, which is... That Stanley Kubrick was so impressed by the production design that he uh, hired Anton first to do his production design on Full Metal Jacket? Well, we might as well just go into that then. The the highlights. I think the uh, the effects are the highlight of the movie. They're very striking. It's kind of... Like I said, it's sort of like Life, Life Force, which Canon did the same exact year, where it's such a spike up from what you're used to. It's, it's, it's like watching a, a different company at times. Even though, again, this is technical Canon, not real Canon, I guess. But, like, the effects are good. They are used very well, uh, especially they know when to cut away. They know when to cut to them. They know when to show just enough. They know when to make them more visceral, especially in the violence aspect. And they, and they look both cheap but not really cheap. They fit in with the more surreal, like, atmosphere of the movie, which is the fairy tale type stuff. Like, when the grandmother's head gets taken off, you're expecting, like, a lot of blood or something but no not the way they do it no it comes off like it's a doll's head yes which is a thing that was brought up earlier in the movie when she found them in the stork's nest she found children babies in the stork's nest she did and they cried and that she was did. one of the first times she went off the path yeah which like i said there's probably a lot more to this uh, movie or at least they're trying to get across but this is the first time seeing it so there's probably a lot we didn't uh, really catch the first time it's a really really strange uh film yeah but like i said the effects i can definitely see why someone like stanley kubrick would be impressed by them they are very well done like the specific specifically he was impressed by the production design mm -hmm. and that's why he wanted the guy to do his uh full metal jacket it definitely works, as I said, for what they're trying to do here. They did a lot with those 12 trees, JD. Yeah, the set design was good. Like I said, it, like, it felt like a forest. It, it wasn't distracting or anything like that. And um, also, like I said, uh, the gore effects, they're not like, let's say, Tom Savini level or anything like that, but they do get the job done. 
and it does work very well when like you're just like wait he just took the grandmother's head off wait a minute it's it's a doll's head is that what it is and it cracks open and it disappears it's pretty good it's pretty well done and also that part where the wolves are jumping through the portrait in i guess it's supposed to be representing to jump into reality where the other girl is yeah, and so they're, they're actually like, they're actually Belgian shepherd dogs. But they're also getting progressively bigger because they that was they line until them up. it was an actual real wolf that was that, coming through, like one was, of the few werewolves. That was a very good way of uh, of showing that sort of thing, the transformation. I really like that too, and that I think that would be my highlight of the movie. How about you? I my highlight of the movie was Terrence Stamp. It was just it was just <laughs> unexpected. It suddenly to have a boy go into the middle of the forest and suddenly a white old Rolls Royce shows up. Mm-hmm. being driven by the actress in a wig and Terrence Stamp and you and he, he's not credited in the credits he just appears in the movie and gives the boy a potion and it's just it's so surreal is it supposed to be another one of those border between the dream world and yeah he's, he's the devil it's like they, they constantly talk about the devil and he just suddenly appears and it's Terrence Stamp mm-hmm. yeah. um, just something about that scene is it sticks out mm-hmm. maybe, maybe because of the anachronism of the car but it was just like it was weird yeah, like I said, it, it probably wouldn't have worked as well if we didn't have that framing device. That, like I said, didn't really understand the point of it until the end of the movie where, it, oh, okay, now I get it. But uh, without that, it would just kind of be kind of standalone-ish and like, what? Am I watching? Why is this here? When you see it that way, you're, oh, okay, so it's more of a universal thing. It's a, the, the border between uh, fantasy and reality. Dream and the waking world. Pretty cool stuff. So, Randy that said what is your negative of company of wolves it for all its weirdness and all of its obtuseness that it can it could be a little bit mm-hmm. uh and its vagueness some of the story just wasn't interesting it could be pretty blunt too yeah it could also <laughs> be very blunt and very on the nose but it's some of the time i found myself from time to time just losing interest Mm-hmm. And it's not a long movie. It's like a little over an hour and a half. It's yeah, it's not really that long. It's in that points you're just like, okay, I know what you're doing here. And and the tone, like like I said, it's like I couldn't tell who this was for. Mm. Like I could not figure out who the specific audience for this film was. Yeah, it's one of those types of movies where you you watch it like, okay, I get what they're going for, but I don't know who this is meant to be for because it's an R-rated film. Mm-hmm. And that would be specifically just for the gore, but without the gore, it would have been maybe a PG film. But I don't see how. But even then, I I don't see who this. this was for. I don't see a younger audience was getting anything out of this. If you could, even if you cut down the gore, they would just be like confused. Like wait, wait, what's the flower thing? I don't get it. Yeah, it, it's like I said. It's like I really don't know who this movie was meant to be for. I don't know what audience they were serving, and it, and 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 that kind of detracted from it too, because I'm just like I can watch. I'm like, this is an interesting film. Mm-hmm. I think it might also be that uh, they had an adaption of this, and they they were like, Look, let's try to make it into a full on fairy tale, but at the same time, who do we aim it at? That's and a and, and apparently, it mirrors like the format of a um, BBC staging of it for the it radio. That they like did it. for the specific uh, story of the Company of Wolves. Mm-hmm. But I think they use different fairy tales as part of the frame. Hmm. Yeah. It's like just a, weird. It's a it's a bizarre experience. It, like I said, very fair. It came very, it came from the world below, JD, and I do not know. And very not familiar know. to a normal canon movie in a lot of aspects, especially that bizarre nature of it. 
And I can definitely see why they saw it. Oh, this is like one of our movies. We should pick this up. That's exactly how it comes across. Oh, we were able to buy this for a dollar. We should be making our money back. I don't think they did. I think it was a it was a popular movie. What what like looking closely, it's like they their their exact releasing part is they only released it to theaters in mm -hmm. the U.S. So they weren't involved in the home video distribution. So they were only making money on this for theaters. And then once again, I'm left to ask, what theaters? What audience were you going? Art house? Were you going what? I don't know. So I can't find record on how much money this movie made, but it's enough thing. for it to get a brand new release with on 4K of all things. Yeah, like 4K UHD, which is and not this, this is like like one of the highest rated films in the whole canon, like mm -hmm. like universe, like associated with it. It's like it has mm -hmm. a very high rating overall. Mm -hmm. uh, not on IMDb though. It's like 6.6, .6, but in general, yeah. it's like IMDb has a lot of people who span stuff, span ratings. Yeah, like I said, it's it's definitely a well-made movie. It's definitely an interesting movie, but I wouldn't call it like one of Canon's best ones. Even if they did make it themselves and we're just distributing, I don't think it would be in the top. Three. Yeah, it was more of a it was more um, critically acclaimed than most. So it had a budget of two million and it made it roughly about four point four million total. Yeah, worldwide, and, and that's being a little bit generous. So it's more like four point three point eight or something. Mm-hmm. Well, considering how much lower advertising budgets were back then. I'm and I, and, sure I, and I think part of it, the reason why they brought it over is because in that same time frame, you had all these quote-unquote werewolf movies coming out, like oh, yeah. The Hunger and Wolfen and Cat oh, People and The Howling. Lot. There yeah. were a lot. Yeah, just to name a few. And Neil Jordan was very much on the rise at the time, so it would have been a kind of a feather in their hat to get him. Because mm -hmm. this is the guy that would later go on to do, like I said, Interview with a Vampire, but he also wrote The Crying Game. Mm-hmm. So it's like he he is a one of those directors that is a storied director, mm -hmm. uh, who has a history and actually has a talent at picking films. It definitely feels like this is be the the movie made by someone like that. It did, did, did feel like a, a typical. Sorry, he also directed production. the Crying Game, not mm -hmm. just uh, wrote it. Yeah. So overall, Randy, what's would a you highlight? This one? What's your highlight? I already said what my highlight was. Yeah, but we never we didn't explicitly say what the highlight of the film was. Production design. Yeah, I already said all that. We, we started with that. We started with the highlights. Then we moved to the weaknesses, which is... I don't know. I feel like I'm in a dream right now, J.D. It's like everything is so surreal. Yeah. Um, I really don't understand. It's like you're glowing in this really weird green, greenish fluorescent light all over your chest. I don't, I don't know. And I'm wearing... And I'm all, all glowing brown. It's like it's weird. Um, mm -hmm. I'd give the movie probably a three question mark. I mm. could probably go higher, but I don't... No, I would go with a four probably if I saw it again and it struck me more. And then on a first viewing, I would go with a three just because I didn't. I know I didn't get everything that was. This in movie it. is a grower, not a shower. It's like yeah. this movie requires. You have to see more. Than I once. think it requires multiple viewings. Yeah, I think you'd have to see more than once to really get any out of it. So, like I said, for a first viewing, I'll give it a three. It was good. I would, I would definitely not say it's a bad movie or not worth seeing. I would recommend it to people generally. Yeah, but like, I, I don't know exactly who I would recommend it to. Maybe if going like, going back, yeah, going back to who's the audience for? I don't. I, I wouldn't you, like, recommend this to my my uh, early twenties nieces that aren't into films. I know that much, but I might recommend it to a film buff who likes Neil Jordan films. If you like cinema and you like fairy tales, I guess. Yeah, I, I could see that, but not if you're a fan of Heath Ledger and what's his name in the Brothers Grimm. No, not uh, that. It's not that type of fairy tale. It's not the Sleepy Hollow fairy tale. It's fundamentally more weird and uh, british and british yeah so if you're into that too i guess maybe 
I don't think it's for younger audiences or specific people who want very specific things out of their movies. But I guess if you like general fairy tale stuff and you're older, I would say maybe. And it's like and this. it's not typical canon fair. Not really. It's one of it's like one of those off the wall sort of stuff that they put out every now and then that we we've covered. And I'm glad that we got to cover it on this one because it was definitely something new. Yep. So, mm-hmm. anything else you want to say on it? No, not really. The only thing, other thing is that mm-hmm. uh, for the Terrence Stamp rule, mm-hmm. as I was reading on my phone, they originally had wanted Andy Warhol to do it. Oh, yeah? But uh, they flew to see him in New York, and this was shortly after he had been shot. Ooh. And he said that he would only do it if they could shoot it in New York, and he went, no dice. <laughs> and so uh, Neil Jordan was friends with Terrence Stamp, and he asked Terrence Stamp if he would do it for him. And he said, sure, but you have to buy me a brand new suit. And he went, okay, so he bought him a new suit. <laughs> That's a story. It's Terrence Stamp, J.D. He's, he's, an, he's an odd person. Obviously, huh? All right, everybody. I guess that's it for this one. We'll see you next time when we continue our cruise through the canon catalog. And through the technically canons as well. That's true. Goodbye. Goodbye. We're canon films. And we're dynamite. They say the Prince of Darkness is a gentleman. Gentlemen always keep their promises. What have you done with my granddaughter? Nothing she didn't want. The Company of Wolves, where fairy tales end and nightmares begin. The Company of Wolves.